Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my having friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always have an amazing guest to chat with today. Today, we're going to be talking with Nicole Christina. She is the host of Zestful Aging Podcast, which has won multiple awards and has heard in 106 countries. She's also a psychotherapist of 32 years with a specialty in eating disorders. She's on a mission to educate people about eating disorders, which are on the rise, especially in later life. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Caitlin. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited you're here. So I always start with you just sharing um, how you got to doing what you're doing today. Uh, which part, the psychotherapy part or the podcasting part? Uh, let's start with the psychotherapy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, boy, you know, it's so funny to be at the age now where I can say I've been doing this for 32 years. It just sounds weird to mm-hmm. my ears. Um, I've always been interested in women's issues, um, and I'm a clinical social worker, so it's women's issues in the context of social pressures. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, and I went to a uh, graduate program that was very focused on women's experience. Um, mm. I went to Smith College, so a lot of what we learned was through the lens of uh, being a woman in in our culture and other cultures. And it seemed to me what was becoming more and more clear is a lot of our beliefs about our bodies and our value and our worth were filtering through uh, societal pressures mm-hmm. and um, advertising pressures and money-making pressures uh, and really blinding, I think, uh, us uh, to our value, our, mm-hmm. our innate value. And I got a little feisty about it. And I decided <laughs> that that was going to be something I focused on. And there was a huge demand for that work. So that made it way to slide into uh, my career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also live uh, and work very close to Syracuse University, which mm. apparently has one of the highest rates of eating disorders. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so I, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm do, doing more podcasting half time now and clinical work half time, but let's say I was never without clients. So mm-hmm. um, I spent a long time Uh, a long part of my career working with faculty, staff, students. And now, you know, uh, I, uh, I should say recently, I've noted that, wow, people are aging right along with me and starting to talk about uh, their concerns about their body weight and uh, obsessions about food and all of a sudden come to find out what I'm noticing is something that's been going on and that there's been a real uptick. Uh, and then heightened by COVID in midlife Mm -hmm. women who uh, are starting to get into some pretty disordered eating Mm -hmm. and also finding their ways to places like Renfrew, which is like the gold standard for eating disorders, Mm -hmm. so much so that now they have a distinct treatment track just for midlife women. 
Wow. Well, you have a very impressive background um, and I appreciate you sharing all that. I think um, my background is I'm a counselor, but I did the um, kind of more, I didn't do the social work track. I did my uh, master's in clinical mental health counseling and did more the individualized kind of focus, but I love talking with social workers because I think it takes into account so much more of that holistic um, view in, in society. And I think that one thing that really drew me to you is um, this, this idea of how you're talking about eating disorders in later life, because I think so often when we hear even the word eating disorder, it's, it's hush hush, very much like anything mental health or addiction is. Um, and we also think about it in a lot of like younger youth, like females, instead of women that are like high achievers and living in careers and moms and these women that are going through menopause, right? Like that was, I know one thing that you um, shared too. So I love that you're kind of talking about this and I'm curious if or why there's this correlation of them happening in later life? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I use the word overdetermined a lot, meaning that there's so many reasons, but mm-hmm. I'll give you like the some of the main ones. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll leave COVID to the side because that just was like a, an additional layer oh, of nightmare. Absolutely. But, um, <laughs> if we think about women who are starting to experience even perimenopause, raising kids, um, you know, some of the midlife concerns can be really uh, concerns of transition, very much like the adolescents who we think about, oh, going off to college. That's a time when people get eating mm-hmm. disorders. Well, if you think of women who are sort of 40, 45, heading towards 50, there's a lot to think about. Number one, you know, am I ever going to retire? And if I do, what in God's name am I going to do? You know, what's happening with my kids that don't need me as much anymore? Um, And then a look at uh, our relationships. And I don't know if you're familiar with the term gray divorce, but this is a time that divorce is really spikes now. And Mm -hmm. that's uh, in the 50s, because we can look at our partners and say, well, we raised our kids or they're kind of off, you know, uh, launching, and you want to sit in your recliner watching the History Channel, and I want to go on a hot air balloon ride or, you know, run a mm-hmm. marathon. We got to disconnect here. So there's often a real like reassessment like, is there anything between us anymore now that the mm-hmm. kids are gone? So, and also, you know, the whole thing about career, I'm in upstate New York, and I see a lot of teachers, and they can uh, retire pretty early in New York. At mm-hmm. 55, they get a really nice package. Good for them. They deserve it. Absolutely. But then they're left with a lot of years ahead of them. And and like, what am I doing? I mean, I'm always so I, struck by clients who have given so much attention and effort and their lives to their careers. And then when their careers are starting to wind down, literally just saying, I have no idea mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. And it's frightening. Mm-hmm. So we got that. Okay. So we got so, some things stacking up. And then if we're sort of perimenopause, menopausal, 
we know our hormones are getting kind of whacked mm-hmm. out, oftentimes we'll develop some belly fat that can freak uh, women out who have mm-hmm. been, particularly women who have been, uh, uh, who have had a lot of attention for their looks. Mm. Then all of a sudden, you know, th- what kind of skin is this? Oh, this is what they call crepey skin. Mm. Um, you know, what's going on here? I've got these sunspots <laughs> or mm-hmm. I'm starting to get wrinkles or peach fuzz. What is going on? And then so women start feeling invisible. And mm. then we've got this crazy double whammy that if you have a daughter, at the same time, you're starting to see these aging um, you know, characteristics, your daughter is in full bloom. Mm. And so it's just like, oh, wow, this is so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she's vital. She's the picture of fertility and it can be really rough. So we've got that. I'll throw in a couple more. Mm-hmm. You know, our parents are aging and we're seeing that. And mm-hmm. it's really hard to deny that we're up next. Mm-hmm. So we start thinking about our mortality. And mm-hmm. not a lot of people really want to think about that. Mm-hmm. So we've got this great distraction and comfort for things that are being lost or uh, we've really got to adjust to. The thing that I think about also with eating disorders that makes it so, um, uh, how shall I say, uh, mm, tempting, Mm -hmm. is that like where else in our adult lives do we get this instant feedback that you are doing great? Mm -hmm. So if you restrict for a while or do something with no carbs or whatever, and you get on your scale and you're like, whoa, pounds are down, Mm -hmm. it it really kind of gets under your skin in a way that's like, wow, more of that. So Mm -hmm. I'm spending an hour at the gym I'm going to spend two hours at the gym and I'm cutting out all flour, all sugar, only kale, only Mm -hmm. organic. And then, of course, people notice and say, you look great. How are you doing it? Mm -hmm. And who doesn't want to hear that they are looking great, feeling accomplished? So there's so many reasons why. And then we've got Instagram culture, which Mm I hardly need to explain to your audience. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, I don't look like this. Uh, And I probably never have and I never will. And in my little bubble of aging well, we have something that is well-intentioned, but it's called super agers, right? So you have these women who are 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, and they're running marathons in Antarctica Mm -hmm. and they're, and it's like, I'm not doing that. I'm just walking my dog. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's this sense of like, wow, I am really falling short. What could I be good at that would help me make sense of my life, comfort and bind some of the anxiety, make Mm -hmm. me feel like my life has some sort of control or Mm. structure, um, it's super tempting. And I always want to appreciate that people do not wake up and say, I really want to have an eating disorder or disordered eating. 
Nobody does that. But what happens is it draws you in kind of like a backstabbing friend. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this will work. This will make you feel good. And it actually does. But the costs are quite high. And as you know, as a clinician, Caitlin, this we can get into big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the highest mortality rate of any uh, diagnoses in in the DSM. And it is really scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, it absolutely is. And, you know, as you're talking, you had so many reasons that just make so much sense, right? Like, I love that you highlighted that nobody wakes up and says, oh, I'm going to have an eating disorder today, or mm-hmm. I'm going to have disordered eating because Mm-mm. they creep in, just like you said. And and the thing that stuck out to me, the, the one that really highlighted when I'm thinking about um, kind of the women in, in this age range that we're discussing is the sense of control, right? Like how many times we go through our day where it's like, your kids are having a tantrum or your kids are out of the house or you're in your career and you have a stressful day and you just feel like you don't have any control. And it goes back almost to little kids, right? Like little kids, they often, um, we think about that idea of like, they can only really control very minimal things in their life. And so eating Mm -hmm. is one of the things that they have that control over just like us as adults. And so that, you know, made me think about that, that piece of really just how complex this issue is. And Mm -hmm. to take a step back to when we talk about eating disorders a lot, I think in general, um, and again, this is a very generalized statement. uh, A lot of people think of more kind of the more known, like anorexia nervosa or um, Mm -hmm. bulimia, those kind of pieces. But I think something that is really happening in society today is what you kind of hit on of, I'm going to have this, I'm going to spend extra time at the gym. I'm going to overeat the healthy kale. And we look at it in a very different lens. So I'm curious if you could talk about if you can almost be too obsessive about not just the food, but also the exercise. Uh, that's such a great point. And, uh, and I'm going to give you an example mm-hmm. of how that gets confusing. If I do an evaluation of someone who's coming in um, and they might say, oh, I'm feeling depressed or anxious. And then I always ask now because I've learned, tell me about your eating. Is that a struggle? And and I used to get tricked by this, but finally I caught on. They say, oh, I eat really healthy. Mm-hmm. And then I used to be like, okay, next question. Oh, no. <laughs> what, is that? what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And so what I hear is I don't eat fat. I only eat once a day. I eat um, only organic and I only eat like, you know, uh, oof, um, you know, you get the picture. Like, right. it's like, oh, really? That's what we're calling healthy. You know, mm-hmm. of course, I don't say it's not sure, like sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you always have to ask. Now, the thing that I think you probably would agree as a clinician, too, is that we could look at the DSM and say, check, 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 or not check. Mm-hmm. The way I do it um, as a as a clinician is how much time and brain space is this taking up? Mm-hmm. And so what this is, this is the exact uh, kind of thing we might hear. I can't go to lunch with my friends because I don't want to eat food from Panera because I don't know what they use in their mayonnaise or mm-hmm. I don't know what fat they put in their dressing. Mm-hmm. That's 
um, I can't go to the beach with my friends because, oh my gosh, I would never be seen in a bathing suit. Mm -hmm. And we could get more dramatic in terms of if people are purging, you know, then there's this whole question about the bathrooms Mm -hmm. and I don't think we have to go down that. You get the the idea. Mm -hmm. But it starts to really make your life very small. So it's so limiting. So if, as you say, all you eat are organic greens, does that mean you can't go to a birthday party because Mm -hmm. it's too stressful and and they, they say, oh, here's your cake, and you say, no, I only eat organic greens? It starts really messing up your life and becoming the number one relationship in your life. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like you and your eating disorder. And there was a book that you might be familiar with years ago, but really made a good point. And it's called Life Without Ed and actually gave the name Ed like eating disorder. So it becomes your main relationship and your partner, your kids, your friends, your family are always outside of that circle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is the problem is that it takes over your life. And so when we say, can it be too healthy? I think the question is, what does that mean? And how does it affect me in my day-to-day life? I mean, how much brain space am I, you know, like my friend invited me for coffee, but she only has half and half. You know, am I going to have, you know, a tablespoon, a half and half, or is that going to ruin my whole day? Mm. Um, And that's what I see. I mean, I have, you know, it's quite heartbreaking. I have women in my practice, one of them so renowned in her field, they made a documentary about her. And she is so worried about like, I had a donut or I, you know, I ate a second piece of pizza, that that's all she can see. And it is Mm. a real prison and it's a horrible way to live. Mm. Absolutely. It is. I think that um, my background is in more of the co-occurring mental health and um, substance use and exactly what you said, very similar idea of substance use. It becomes your number one relationship and Mm -hmm. that it's because it's preoccupying all those thoughts and it's exhausting. I think, um, disordered eating. One of the ones that really hit me too, is I eat one time a day. Um, that for me was the other one that I just picked up on because I think that hearing that piece, we get so good at justifying behavior of like, I'm too busy or, you know, especially like of women that are working and have families and are trying to get the food on the table for the kids, or that we're too busy and we don't schedule ourselves a lunch or anything like that. Um, we start to get really good at justifying, but it still fits into that category of disordered eating, which like you said, is really impactful. And we touched on this idea of some of these challenges or outcomes that can be really, really harmful. And I'm curious if you could elaborate a little bit more on that for our listeners. Sure. I mean, I'll just give you some of the basics. You know, the heart is a muscle. So if you starve yourself and you don't eat fat, well, our brain is mostly fat, but if you starve yourself, you're, you're, you can do some real damage to your heart. Um, and, um, we know what that can do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're purging, you can blow out your esophagus and that obviously is 
really a problem. Uh, we know that with uh, calorie deprivation, uh, your brain shrinks and you are very likely to get depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of problems. Uh, your reproductive, and, and this is interesting for women who are still trying to get pregnant, um, you know, and they're, and they're uh, really restricting fats, you know, our hormones are tra- are traveling, uh, our fats are the way the transportation system. And mm-hmm. oftentimes they're not eating enough or eating enough fat to get pregnant. So mm-hmm. it can become a vicious cycle like, oh, I'm really depressed. I can't get pregnant. I better not have that piece of cheesecake and on and on. In fact, I worked with a dietitian recently who talked about, you know, uh, how she uh, talks to women who are trying to get pregnant, who have some disordered eating. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, those are the ones that come to mind, but it's pretty damaging in general. And and, and then we have, of course, uh, brittle bones. And if we're already into menopause, and then uh, we're starting to get more at risk for osteoporosis, and then we're not eating properly, um, you're just setting yourself up for a total system failure. The thing, I just wanted to mention something you might be interested in about families. You Mm -hmm. said, you know, uh, well, sometimes it's a great excuse. I'm so busy. I've had a couple clients who, when their daughter started noticing, hey, mom, how come you're not eating? How come you're not eating with us? That was the thing that sparked them to say, listen, um, I've had an eating disorder for a long time, but the last thing I want is my daughter to have an eating disorder. So now is the time when I have to address this, if for nothing else, um, just to have her you know, be healthier than I've been. So that's an interesting thing when Mm -hmm. daughters start like, why don't you ever eat with us? Or how come we're having a hamburger and you're having, you know, dry lettuce or something? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really beautiful point. And I, I think it's so interesting. Um, I have a little toddler son and, um, as a clinician, obviously that's something I think about. So I was like, you know, really when we started solids, I was like, okay, I got to make sure that I'm modeling good behavior with food so that he learns good behavior. But it is so important, like you said, because we don't realize that our kids, no matter their age are picking up and watching us and our relationship with food, which impacts theirs. And like you said earlier, we're not just talking about eating disorders with uh, middle-aged women and kind of increasing in age, but also the fact of like I highlighted at the beginning, we often think of it of going to college or young um, female adults. And also um, caveat here that men also do have eating disorders, which obviously we know, Um, Mm -hmm. but kind of wanted to put that in there since we're mainly highlighting women in this. But yeah, that's, I I think that's really important. You know, it's so, it's really difficult, you know, we can be so smart and sometimes our fears just kind of sneak out. And I actually have a friend who talks a lot about, oh, I was so good this weekend. Oh, I was so bad and all of this. I, I find it very, um, let me think of a polite word, boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and she has a daughter who's in a pretty large body. Now, mm. this daughter is a phenomenal athlete. And she is just an amazing woman, young woman. But I know 
that this friend goes home and talks about, oh, I'm not going to have a cookie because I don't want to, you know, and she adores her children. She is a bright, lovely woman with integrity. And what I think she doesn't realize, and it's certainly not my business, she's not asking me my opinion, but that when that leaks out and she says those things that the daughter naturally will say, well, you think you look like that. What about me? I've got Mm -hmm. 50 pounds on you. Mm -hmm. So when we as women who are in our 45, 50, 60, whatever, start saying, oh my gosh, look at this. You know, ears are, you know, people are listening and our college age children um, or our toddlers, you know, Mm -hmm. that stuff sticks and you can um, talk a great game, but if every time they see you saying, oh, no, I couldn't possibly have a piece of cake or, oh, I would never eat pasta, you're setting them up to struggle. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this isn't about blaming, but it's just about trying to be aware of some of the messages that when you look in the mirror and say, oh, my God, I look terrible. I'm so this or that. That's that's gonna um, reverberate in in your kids' brains when mm-hmm. they get to be, you know, old enough to look in the mirror, or mm-hmm. if they're you know in college or whatever. They think, well, that's what it's like to grow older is to really hate the way your body and you know and your appearance is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So. As our listeners are kind of listening and thinking about all these pieces with disordered eating and eating disorders, all the things we've talked about, how can they start knowing if they have either disordered eating or an eating disorder? And also, can you um, share a little bit insight about the differentiation between those two, since we're talking about two different terms? It's exactly what you said. It's really a matter of how much room is this taking up? I mean, I I, I guess, you know, some of it is like, well, are they binging twice a week? How many, you know, are they meeting this criteria for calories taken in on a binge? Or are they trying to lose weight and not maintaining a normal weight, having uh, anxiety around food. Uh, And interestingly enough, it wasn't until recently that the DSM even talked about like, well, they said, oh, you don't get your period anymore. Well, guess what? If you're in menopause, you don't get your period either. So, you know, some adjustment. So it's, I think for, for your listeners who are not clinicians, it's not so much about do you meet criteria, but how much is this really um, taking you away from a life that's more vital, more curious, more using your talents and your skills. And I always say to clients, you know, what do you want on your tombstone? Do you want it to say she was a perfect size six? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that what we're doing? Um, and and early in recovery, some women might say, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think what we want to really look at is how limiting is it? Are you turning down um, invitations because of food concerns, because you don't want to be seen in a bathing suit, because you don't want to wear a tennis skirt, because that kind of thing? Is Thanksgiving so much that you're getting up early to 
compensate for the food you're going to eat. Um, you know, these are, these are more, um, how shall I say standard things? I'm not mm-hmm. talking about then going to the bathroom and purging, right. uh, although that could certainly be part of it, but how much are you worrying about like, um, what are in these mashed potatoes? Do you use butter or olive oil? Do you, you, you know, that kind of thing. If you're consumed, no pun intended, <laughs> by what the recipe uh, is and, um, you know, the fact that you've had pie and now you feel like you have to compensate by running or the next day not eating, then you know you're starting to get bossed around by the eating disorder. You're no longer in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that's the red flag. Now, I'm going to anticipate your possible next question is that if you see a loved one who's doing that, how do you how do you talk to them about it? And let mm-hmm. me just say, it's probably not going to be appreciated because mm-hmm. it's helping them in some way. And chances are they're not going to say, thank you for noticing, you know, really appreciate you uh, letting me know your concerns about my eating. But you might say, you know, hey, I've just noticed like stuff with food's been a little off or just wondering, are you having any things you want to talk about? You know, are you worried? Are you concerned? You know, I'm just noticing that like when we're together, you often don't eat, you know, your your whole sandwich or you talk a lot about your worries about your weight. Um, I have a couple of interviews that people might be interested in. One is uh, my interview with Evelyn Trivoli, who's like the queen of intuitive eating. Uh, she's such uh, a force. I just love how she talks about diets. Like you could basically see the smoke coming out of her mm-hmm. ears. And then another one is Rebecca Sketchfield. She um, wrote a beautiful book called Body Kindness. And then depending, I don't know when this is going to air, but um, around Thanksgiving of 2023, I'm putting up an interview with Peg Doyle, who is a nutritionist and talks about Azempic and some of the other weight loss drugs and um, why middle-aged women are particularly uh, seduced by them. Uh, So Mm. there's definitely... um, there's interviews out there. There are people out there. There's podcasts out there. And um, I would also uh, suggest people look at uh, NEDO, National uh, um, Eating Disorder Association website. That's another place to get some help. Absolutely. I appreciate you highlighting those. And for our listeners, um, the podcast that she's referring to is hers and it's called Zestful Aging Podcast. Um, just I will put that in the episode notes as well, along with Nicole's information so that they can find that easily. Um, I'm excited to tune into those as well because I think this is such a needed conversation. And um, I'll share that when I first started in uh, my career as a clinician, I worked in a um, eating disorder clinic that was for residential, um, like recovery program. And it was the hardest work I've ever done in my entire life. It was so hard, um, to 
just be in that space because eating disorders are so complex. And I think I was really new in my career, just finished school. So it was kind of a, a an awakening. Trial um, by fire. Yes. Oh my. Um, but it, you know, gives me so much more appreciation, Nicole, for you and your work, because it is a really challenging um, place to be. And it's something that people need so much help with, especially nowadays, like we touched on briefly the, the culture piece and, you know, Instagram society and all these messages about diet and exercise. Um, and unfortunately they're not going anywhere. And so we need to really kind of band together as women and support each other in what, um, you know, healthy food intake and healthy exercise and movement for your body and healthy self-image, um, looks like. So I appreciate you so much. If you can leave our listeners with one thing, what would it be? Oh, oh, goody. (laughs) (laughs) To put you on the spot. (laughs) No, no. I was thinking, how am I going to weave this in? Yeah. Uh, I guess what I would ask, and maybe this is a little radical uh, social worker talk, but like who benefits? Who benefits from us being small, from us spending our time, our money, our resources, our skills, our talents, our wisdom? Who benefits from us not using those and really coming into our full force? Uh, So I would just ask you to think about that um, and um, just think about that next time you say, I really have to go on a diet. Um, I would ask you, you know, what are, what do you believe is going to happen when you're in a, in a different body and who told you that? Where'd you get that idea? Um, I love that. Yeah. Sometimes that could be like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It uncovers a lot about society and there's a lot of money to be made here. Mm. I think honestly, that might be one of the best takeaways I've had any of my guests say. I think that that's oh my really important. Um, but it also, you know, I love that comment of who said that. Um, I had that conversation with a client the other day. They were getting really wrapped up in all these other people that were giving them advice or opinions on their life. And I asked them, who, who are these people? And do they have what you want? Because if not, oh, wow it's moot, right? Like they shouldn't have the input. Um, but I love how you highlighted that in a little bit different of a reframe. So I appreciate your time so much, Nicole, oh, and have loved a lovely. it. Thank you so much, Caitlin. It's so fun to talk to another clinician who kind of knows the ins and outs of mm-hmm. this and who kind of, uh, you know, like-minded people are just, it's such a lovely way to, uh, to meet people who, like the stuff you like and care about the stuff you care about. So thank you for your work. And um, I really appreciate uh, you having me on today. Of course. Well, for our listeners as well, thank you for spending your time with us. I know it's valuable and I appreciate you spending it here. Um, As I mentioned, I'm going to put all of Nicole's information and her podcast in the episode notes. So you can jump over to those other ones and chat with Nicole if you are needing some support or have any questions about today's episode. Um, Again, thank you, Nicole. And I will hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.